Welcome to Newborn to Teen and Everything in Between, the podcast from Bespoke Family. I'm Bex. And I'm Claire. Thanks for joining us as we tackle the ups and downs of life with children, helping you to get the best out of your time together. No rules, no judgment, just guidance. So grab a cuppa and let's get started with today's episode. Hello and welcome to today's podcast and we're delighted to welcome Dr. Karen McInnes. Welcome Karen, we're going to be talking about play today with you. Thank you, thank you for having me. That's our pleasure. So Karen, first of all, can you just tell us a little bit about you, why we've asked you to come and talk about play? Um, Because it's just, you know, it's not like this random person who just happens to be a doctor um, who we've invited in. But, you know, Karen has a massive background in play. And so just tell us a little bit about that. Okay, uh, a little bit about my background. Yes, I have. Um, I suppose I've been interested in play for a long, long time. Um, I trained as an early years teacher, and even back then, I did one of the assignments I did was around play. Funnily enough, um, never realising that it would become a kind of lifelong passion or obsession, depending how you look at it. Um, so, so yeah, when I did my PGC, I. I looked at play and then I went I trained in the early years but I went straight into nursery because I loved the freedom that we had in nursery and the 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 way you know the play that children were were able to to engage in Um, I always worked in nurseries and and the nurseries I used to run were always very child-centered and children had a lot of scope for engaging in play and it's just fascinating to watch children playing Um, And then I moved over into teaching teachers. Um, And actually, what was really interesting about that was just how hard it was to uh, get to to explain to would-be teachers about children's play and about how valuable it was and and how they could facilitate children's play. Um, That was quite hard to get across um, to the point where I thought I'd never want to teach anything about play again. (laughs) (laughs) And then then I went uh, after various bits and pieces. I did my PhD in play. Um, I was lucky enough that um, uh, a play PhD came up. It was around play and playfulness and the value of play and playfulness for learning uh, in children. Um, sort of three to five year old children and spent three years doing that and I loved every minute of it it was really really um, interesting and I did that at what was then the University of Glamorgan and I was lucky enough to get a job there afterwards and they uh, also ran a master's in play therapy so I was then started teaching play therapy or learning about play therapy and then teaching it and then became a play therapist myself. So I just have, you know, a background from a, from different perspectives as a teacher, as an early years educator and as a play therapist. Um, I know about play and written and talked about play. So as I am today. And um, do you want to tell us about what you do at the moment, what your job is now? What my job is now is I am a lecturer, senior lecturer in um, higher education um, at Bath Spa University, and I'm teaching a, 
on primarily on the Early Childhood Studies Programme, but to Chinese students. We have a huge cohort of students um, at Hunan University in China. Um, and I'm about to start teaching them in two weeks' time. And I'm anticipating that it's actually going to be quite difficult talking to them about play, because play is a really, really difficult concept to understand. And I used to run the Play Therapy Masters out in Hong Kong and talking to students in Hong Kong about play and what we all understood by play was was fascinating, actually, it gave me a really different insight into play and how it's perceived differently in different cultures. Mm. But then don't you think that some parents don't really understand what play is? Because, you know, you've just talked about play therapy and I'm not sure I understand exactly what that is. Right, yeah. I think, I, I definitely think some parents don't, I, mean, I think they un they understand that children play because you, you everybody watches children play. But I don't think a lot of parents understand the value of children's play for, for the child. And actually, in terms of developing, you know, their relationship with their child, if they play with their child. And I remember, Claire, when we did the... Um, the the research project at um, mm -hmm. at Norland College on um, Claire was running parenting education and one of the the concepts or one of the sessions was around play and I remember the parents really not understanding about mm. play and how they could play with their child and and how enjoyable and how valuable it is so so to answer that part of the question yeah I think parents do find it hard and in terms of play therapy play therapy is about using play play therapists see play as a language so children you can communicate and understand children through observing their play and in play therapy children have often experienced quite traumatic events so they can get across those traumatic events that they've experienced without having to verbalize it because often they don't have the words to verbalize what's happened to them anyway so they play out what's happened to them and then by playing with the child you can start um, helping them to understand maybe some of the trauma they've experienced. Well, that just in itself gives you a massive insight into what the value of play is, mm. if nothing else, really. I mean, I, I don't know that I knew that because I think mm. I've heard of play therapists working in hospitals with, you know, you know where the children have had operations and what have you. you know, yeah. Is that right? They have play therapists working in they children's do. wards and things? They yeah, there is a kind of separate training, which is a hospital play specialist, and they mm -hmm. use... Oh, yeah. um, you know, toys and things to prepare children for operations and those kinds of things, and also, um, you know, playing with them afterwards. You do get some play therapists who work in hospitals, but play therapy is a is a kind of different mm. kind of approach, really, than than hospital play than a hospital play specialist. But yeah, I mean, they all have their worth. I think going back to when we did that project, it was so interesting that I think the. We, we did like a six-week program and we did different topics each week, but play was one of the weeks. And actually that was the one of them that came out the highest of value for the parent because yeah. we talked about things that we talk about when we work with children from a kind of professional perspective, you know, invitations to play, the, the importance of allowing open-ended play, all of those sorts of things. And it was so amazing to watch the very 
simplest of ideas that we could put forward actually making a huge difference to home life because the children were Mm. more you know they were more settled because there was invitations to play or the parent was like actually I'll sit and do a 10-15 minute activity maybe it's a sensory activity and we're so much calmer and it was also Mm. talking about that whole thing of play connects you know and that was huge aspect of it and Mm. I think we forget that we grow up and become adults and we don't play like we used to but we still do Mm. so like we go out we go out for dinner we go out to you know when I don't do this so much anymore but when you go out you know clubbing and dancing and all those sorts of things that's (laughs) I can't say I've done that for a long time actually but all (laughs) those things are play aren't they they're all interactions they're all it's a continuation Mm. it is and I think we think we stop playing but we don't we our play just evolves but I think what we can sometimes find quite hard is coming back to playing with children and I think it is quite a skill if I'm completely honest I think watching parents and practitioners it can be quite hard, can't it, to play alongside a child? I found it really hard as a parent. For what reason? I think I found it... I didn't really know what to do. Um, mm-hmm. I found it a bit boring. I don't I don't really know why I, I couldn't... You know, I'm, I was very good at doing things like reading a book. You know, I could do that and do all the silly voices. And actually, I could probably do an extension of a book, but I almost needed a script. So imaginative play wasn't actually that easy for me. So I had one child who imaginative play was everything. So Ben and his cars were, you know, I mean, we could play anything you like, cars, racing cars, cops and robbers, you know, all of the different permutations in the garage up and down the ramps I mean and Rich was really good at doing those kind of things like devising little games for him to play and but Amy wasn't really very imaginative and to be honest I found that much easier really because she was quite happy for me to read books and that was fine you know we were still connecting like you said Claire I think Mm. but I yeah I, I just don't know I just I'm not sure I had the ideas but perhaps I probably needed to be a little bit more open to letting them lead what we did rather than feeling it's almost like having that pressure and thinking I need to think of something to do to make this play worthwhile let's say but actually it would probably I mean you'll be able to answer that Karen but I would imagine that it would probably be as valuable if I just was led and was told what I need to do by them. I would argue it's probably more valuable, really, because the value of play is when it comes from the child and you go with the child, you follow their lead. And even to the I mean, in in play therapy, we even go to the extent we ask them, what role do you want me to play in this scenario kind of thing? But the child needs to own the play. And I think we need to respect children and respect their play so we can follow what they're doing. And you know, we can sort of, you know, we can help them take their play further, but the real value is in immersing ourselves in their play um, because children are incredibly creative. They really are. And in terms of building relationships with children, we're going to build a much firmer relationship 
with a child if we really connect with them on their level instead of trying to there's a there's a good phrase i think from um, one academic who talks about adults hijacking children's play and I think that happens so much and it happens because as adults we think you know they've got to be learning or they've got to get something out of this rather than just you know going with the flow <laughs> mm-hmm. and just being. I think so many times you see I think there's two things there's that whole when children are playing and you you might be playing with the animals and it's like so what does this animal say what's the noise this animal makes it's like they're just playing with the animals they don't need to recite what all of them say you know they might at some point do it but they might naturally just do it in their play when they're playing with the cow Mm. they may say moo whatever it might be um but I think like you say there's always that does it need to be a learning opportunity which play is a learning opportunity without all of that aspect I think my classic is always role play. It's like, are you going to make me a cup of tea? And it's like, no, that's not what I'm playing. Like, <laughs> you've just come along. I'm not even playing. I'm not even making a cup of tea. I don't want to make a cup of tea. But yet the ad- it's, a, it's one of the first things we always say as adults when we see them playing. It's like, it's yeah. like oh, mine's tea and I have a sugar and some milk. And you're like, they're not even playing that. So they're just like, well, that's irrelevant. But I think it's, Probably what isn't it funny you say tea as well because since when would a child make a cup of tea? I know. <laughs> yes. And, and then they bring it along and you're like, oh, have you got any milk? Yeah. And they're like, oh, it's no. a bit hot. Yeah. <laughs> and they're a bit like, actually, I was playing vets. You didn't even <laughs> sit down and find out what I was doing. Um, and so yeah. I think, but I think the other one that I know lots of people struggle with is. If you do take the child's lead and so they're going, right, we're playing dinosaurs and we're going to go to the, the dinosaurs are going to the supermarket. And you can see the adults like, well, a dinosaur wouldn't go to the supermarket <laughs> because that's not how it's going to be. And then you take a dinosaur and you do this and they're like, no, that's wrong. That's not how they do it. And I think that can actually stop the play because there's this child's got an idea in their head and the adult has got their own idea. And I think that's probably where I see the most clashing of play mm. with mm. child yeah. and adult. And I think, how do you overcome that? Like, what's the solution to kind of not having those moments of frustration from both sides, I suppose? <laughs> yeah, that, that, I mean, I think that that's really hard because I think somehow we as adults need to learn to be playful ourselves but also Mm. to suspend that reality because so much of play is about the the kind of as if you know and Mm -hmm. and going with that and developing imagination and and just playing with ideas and that has knock-on effect in all you know if you if you want to look at it from a learning perspective it has such a knock-on effect in terms of you know learning science and learning maths and all those kind of things but just suspending reality what does it matter if the dinosaur's going to the shop actually that's really really creative and yeah let's go with that and see where it's going to take us and 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 just play with it but i think it's it's really hard not to be an adult you've got to find i mean it sounds a bit enough but you've got to find your inner child really mm-hmm. and take yourself back to playing imaginatively yourself and i think that some adults find that hard if they weren't imaginative players 
themselves. So it was one thing I was going to ask you, mm. Bex, did you like playing imaginatively when you were young? Not really. I mean, I do remember my sister being much more imaginative than me. So I remember one year my dad made her a whole entire shop front um, for her, um, you know, for Christmas, like he made it and painted it. And, you know, so it was a proper stall. And I was a little bit like, it's a bit rubbish. <laughs> but that was, be- but it wasn't rubbish. Obviously, it was amazing. But for me, I was like, oh, don't really. So no, I wasn't really. Not at all. I would be much more, and I was going to ask you because I would have been much more, and I used to be much better at doing the kind of organised activities. So, for example, like a science experiment or, um, you know, something where somebody had set something up for me to do and they was kind of... And I think there's so many of those ideas, aren't there, on Instagram and Facebook. But I think it it's hard to know... And, you know, you, you I'm sure you will be able to tell us what kind of how do you balance that out? You know, how much of your day should be planned into, you know, an Instagram activity kind of thing, for want of a better word. And how much of it should be imaginative play and how much of it should be going to the park, you know, or does it not really matter? I would say that. <laughs> It probably doesn't really matter too much. What's far more important, actually, is that you you understand your child and you understand their likes and their dislikes and and what they really um, find interesting. You know what what gets them going, and then you go with those kinds of activities. So you know if you liked more scientific experiments and things, then you know, those would have been the things to go with. But they can still be done in a playful manner, which means that you know, you're still getting that playful aspect out of it. Um, it's when it becomes, I think, you know, you're, you're, you're being told to do things for a particular purpose and you have to do them in a particular way and all those kind of things. I think if you can, whatever activity it is that the child likes and wants to do, you 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 go with that and also you can take their interests into other realms as well so you know you can have a child who's really interested into scientific experiments but you can still go to the park and do that and you know jump in puddles and look at how much water comes out of a puddle kind of thing you know making those everyday fun activities into the kinds of things that's got that's going to get your child really interested and going and it and it's play it is play i think play comes in in lots of different guises you know imaginative play is just one form of play really I think I would worry about balancing it all but then that's just me you know I'd worry about making sure that they had you know the they were learning their colours like you said Claire I was a hundred percent the worst person at that so Ben would pick up a car and I'd go what colour is that car I'd be doing it all the time and he'd be like I really don't care because it's just going along this racetrack and I'm watching the wheels, you know, like, but I was that person. And I think it would, be, it's about, I think sometimes there's so much pressure mm. on making sure that your child is getting all the right developmental bits and bobs that you kind of, that overtakes you. Mm. And, you know, it's quite overwhelming. But I think what it, do, I think it is actually, it gives you focus And I think if you're struggling with it, it's like, actually, if I ask these questions, I'm getting something back that means I'm being fulfilled by this because, okay, they're learning their colours. Okay, they're learning their animal noises. They're learning. 
And I think it kind of feeds for us. there's a purpose whereas the child's Mm. purpose is so different and it's it's funny because my imaginative play as a child and I think I've spoken about this on podcasts before was through the roof I loved imaginative play particularly my babies they were basically alive and everybody had to understand that they were the most important things in my you know they absolutely were my they were my babies and everything else Now, what's really interesting is I have lots of resources for training purposes. And so when um, my best friend's little girl comes over, she's instantly like, can we get the box out? And I'm like, yes, we can, because it's got (laughs) bottles and it's got... I've got the doll, I've got the um, how to make up a formula feed, I've got the whole thing. And I'm like, yes, let's do that. And so we're doing it. And bless her, she even said to me um, a couple of months ago now, she's like, you really do know what you're talking about. She's like, I can see that. And I'm like, <laughs> thanks. And we're there and we're making it. And it but I can absolutely see why she was completely engrossed in that. And everything about it was, you know... That side of things, I completely could play alongside happily and not feel. But I think it is. It's it's your experiences and how easy you find it. And I think we put so much pressure on ourselves to get it right. Like Bex is saying, this structure. And I think, I think having a structure is good because if you have a day that just feels endless, that can be really difficult. But... I think it's having those open-ended activities and all those sorts of things. I find things like the science activities, they're fine, but you do them and they're done. It's like, Hmm. it's a, it starts, you do it and that's it. Like the volcano thing takes so long to do. And it's just such an (laughs) anticlimax at the end of it. Because it's like, right, that was it. (laughs) Bit of vinegar, bicarb. But you do it. But that for me would, it's just like, oh, we need to add stuff to this to make it. So we'll put the dinosaurs on it or we'll, you know, whereas for Bex, it's, it's a nice, it starts here and it ends here and. But then also it's it's about, you know, you saying that days were endless, that, you know, days can be endless. That is how I felt, you know, as a parent, that days Mm. were endless and I needed to fill them with stuff that actually would help me kind of compartmentalise. And so one of my questions, which I kind of had before and we we talked about before, was, you know, what are the different play types that you can do and, and how do you kind of plan a day out? for not a day out a plan a day, day for, for your children to make it interesting for all of you <laughs> yeah um i think i mean there are i mean there are loads and loads of play types um and depending you know if you want to look kind of theoretically there are there are so many different play, play types you know if you, you look at i mean something like play work which is yet another kind of branch of, of play um, I think there's they they work with about 20 odd different types of play but I think the main kind of play types you probably want to be thinking about I mean obviously imaginative play symbolic play those those kind of things constructive play experimentation um, uh, physical play you know thinking just those those different types of, of play that um, that children are going to be interested in 
and and want to play um but in terms of structuring your day i don't know i find that actually really i mean because i come at it i suppose from as a teacher perspective you automatically have that structure imposed upon you um so you don't have to think about that so much i know when i was at home with my children and we would kind of split up the day you know we'd have a period of the day when we would definitely go outside um we'd have time of the day when we might do kind of messy play so we'd get out um corn flour and stuff like that and play with that um we might have kind of our art and crafty kind of play as well so you know we'd have, be painting or um playing with play-doh those kind of things so we would sort of chunk it up a bit i suppose and play with but also it was definitely led by them so for example my oldest daughter sophie she loved in, um, kind of craft play she would spend ages playing with play-doh and stuff like that and um oh i can't remember what that stuff's called it's kind of like play-doh but it's not play-doh but you know she liked that so we would spend a long part of the day playing with that she loved outdoor play and she would play anything outdoors so we would spend quite a lot of the day doing that whereas with millie who's my youngest she really didn't like going outside much so we would only go outside for a short period of time and she would like to play with her dolls and things like that more so we would engage in that kind of play so it's it's kind of looking at the different types of play that you can engage in so playing outdoors playing with bricks playing but also still being tuned into your child and knowing what really interests them and and play and you know, engaging in their interests as well. I think it's more about like knowing what the options are, because sometimes I mean, I I do like the idea of the um, invitation to play that, Mm -hmm. you know, we speak about. And I love the idea. And this is why I say the idea of having it set up the night before and it all being ready for the children to come down to. But in reality, you know, that's fine if you're a nursery practitioner and it's all set up for the next day for the children to come in. But as a parent, when your children have gone to bed, literally the last thing I want to do is set up an activity for the next day. So can you make it a bit easier you know I mean how can you make it easier shouldn't be such hard work Why are you Bex, you're not you're not setting up a whole like setup it might be that you just get the dolls and put some like th- and make a tea party and that's all yeah. it is it's not so it can make it easier you you're can... like making this massive great big <laughs> like the whole house gets set up like a nursery and that they just it's absolutely <laughs> but that's the thing you're yeah. Like, you don't need to make it a massive thing. And I think, you know, interestingly, from when we did that research project, I remember one family, they followed the invitation to play and they and we part of that research was yoga afterwards. But they went home and they had a yoga book and they put all the Barbies and Teddies into yoga poses the night before they went to bed and the children woke up to find their teddies doing yoga and their Barbies doing mm. yoga. That was all it was. And mm. they played with that. Yeah. Then they took that play off differently. So they did yoga. Then they um, listened to music. Then they did some sensory work. Like, it led on to things. But I think mm. you can you can see online that there are these amazing setups. But you have to be realistic. You know... Even crunching up a few Weetabix and sticking it in a tray and putting some um, 
uh, some trucks in it. That's all it needs to be. It doesn't yeah. need mm. to be this grand gesture. Children don't... That's not what they need. Mm. They, they're they looking for... And normally they take their play on after that, but it's just a very simple yeah. setup. Um, from my perspective, I, I, I would tell you what, I'd love to go back to when the twins were little now if we did it again and see what you'd be producing because it would be this... (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my goodness, you'd be exhausted. You'd be like... I was exhausted. That was the whole point. (laughs) I couldn't do it. Oh, my goodness. We had a playroom that was piled high of boxes and boxes of toys. Probably none of them. You know, one time Rich lost his wallet. And we couldn't find it, we couldn't find it, we couldn't find it. Do you know why? It's because it was in a box of some toys right at the bottom of the stack. It was only when we were tidying up and clearing out that we we found he'd cancelled all his cards. And yeah, luckily there was some money in it. But, you know, it was like, we, that's the other thing. We buy so many toys for children and they just sit, don't they, a lot of the time. And it's just, you know, it, it, it just hardly feels worth it to buy them. Mm. And you don't need lots and lots and lots of bought toys. You know, children like those kind of things that where that they can really use their imagination with. So, you know, a box of bricks is a brilliant thing. In my nursery, I always had a huge brick area and we had these massive bricks, but you can still use little bricks as well. And children will create the most amazing things out of things like that. And, you know, just junk boxes and those kind of things so that... and and paper and pens and string and and sellotape so children can create their own things but also allowing them to mix things together so you know being able to I don't know take paper and pens into the with the bricks and things so they can then start to build up connections and and be creative in that way I think you you don't need and especially these kind of a lot of these more kind of plasticky toys that have got one kind of purpose behind them and nothing else they're not so mm. interesting to children they really are I mean, one of mine just used to love a tray full of corn flour and that would keep a corn flour and water and that would keep her happy for ages and if you colored mm-hmm. it the next day wow that was something different <laughs> yet again because it had a color and mud pies oh yeah mud pies the thing that the the twins you would love the their very favorite thing was their treasure basket Mm. which i obviously learned from working with you know lots of practitioners Mm. and you know obviously i did it to the letter so it was the right height and it had all the different stuff in but honestly they would sit for absolutely ages playing with Mm, that and in fact to the point that I made one for my sister when she had her babies and you know they're exactly the same and I think that was so simple such as I mean I don't know you probably be good be good to explain what that is Karen maybe if you would because you'd be doing a treasure basket is um it comes from the work of Eleanor Goldschmied um who devised this basket so it's a a wicker kind of basket um filled with different natural materials with different things that have got different textures so they're designed for children or for small children you know when they can sit up until usually they can walk on it then moves on to something called puristic play but the treasure basket is filled with all sorts of wonderful things that children can explore with their hands they can explore with their mouths their feet often because children (laughs) love using their feet for Mm -hmm. stuff and it just 
um, it gives it it allows them to explore through their senses. So like you, I had one for both of mine with all sorts of things in it and lots, often lots of things from your kitchen drawers. <laughs> I can remember mm. having, um, yeah, I can't remember, you know, when, you know, a whisk. That, mm-hmm. you know, and a pastry like brush. Pastry brush, yes. The worst thing yeah. I did though, I had for Millie, I had, um, it, was a, it was a bag and it was kind of, it was a nice velvety material. It felt lovely. And she used to, well, she did love playing with it, but she was, she started to put it into her mouth. One time she had it in her mouth rather a long time and she came back and there was, her mouth was completely pink where the dye from the velvet had <laughs> <laughs> gone all over her mouth. So that wasn't, one, was not one of my best moments. Um, but yeah, no treasure baskets. And it, is what I, I was saying about those kind of open-ended materials that, mm. that children can play with, um, that they, it doesn't have one purpose. It's just something a child can explore um, in, in any way they, they want to. It's like the Tupperware cupboard, isn't it? Yeah. 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 The Tupperware cupboard, If just have a cupboard that's just full of Tupperware that they are allowed yeah. to go in and pull out. And yeah. they will be entertained for ages that's kind of how to move on to your history heuristic play but i think mm-hmm. yeah anything cardboard boxes as we we joke about it but they are just the go-to it's it's just one mm. of those things that it's so open-ended that they can make it what they, they want they love it how, yeah absolutely yeah. what yeah. happens with regards to things like we talked about painting and we talk about play-doh and all those things and a lot of families will talk about that they set this up or get it all out and then two minutes later the child gets down and walks off and they're just like it took longer to set it up than it did for them to be at it how would you say to kind of manage those situations and to how to look at those kind of activity situations the adult sets something up so put all the play-doh out child sits at the table does like two minutes and then was like Ah, I'm done. Gets down and goes off and plays somewhere else. And the parents are like, great. Great. That happens so often. (laughs) It really does. I think it's, um, it's, it's difficult, isn't it? Because we talk about, you know, respecting the child and following their lead. So often it is a question of just seeing what they, they go back on, back go, you know, go on to, but actually having what they've got there as something they can maybe come back to or talking with the child or, you know, about bringing something else into that play. So it might be you've set up Play-Doh or something like that, that they're not really that interested in. They're interested in cars, but you bring some cars into the Play-Doh and then they might start, you know, start playing with it. So it's, it's again, it's listening to your child, looking at what they're interested in and seeing how you can combine that. Um, and also talking with your child about what they like to say, you know, what they want to get set up rather than just mm. going ahead and doing something, taking your cues from the child um, you know, like you said, with the invitations to play, I mean, they are so important. Um, but it's about doing it with something the child is interested in. So going back to the yoga one and having the, the mm. teddies doing yoga poses and things like that, the child was already interested in that. Mm. It was following mm. the child's lead. Um, so I think, you've, you know, you're going to capture their interest if you're following on from what things that they want to do. Um, and if ultimately they move away from what you've set up, then 
you just have to go with it really <laughs> I think sometimes you worry about it being too narrow I think that's what I always used to worry about it being you know being them just keeping on going with what they liked so like you know you mentioned cars and that's literally all Ben would play with but I mean he go-karts and works at a go-karting place wants to be an engineer and that it obviously was his is and was his passion and so actually now I'm thinking about it it didn't really matter that all he wanted to play yeah. with was cars but that's I think sometimes the worry of parents is that hmm. if all they want to do is cars or like in Amy's case read books again all she does is read books and she absolutely loves it you kind of worry that you're not giving them enough of a Mm. you know of a broad diet yes of, exactly yeah, yeah 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 and and I can remember when I was in the nursery that was something that parents were often worried about I can remember we had a, a little boy who he was he was four and he knew just about every dinosaur that ever existed I think um certainly knew far more than I did about dinosaurs and he only wanted to play with plastic dinosaurs but what we used to do and we we and we talked about this with his mum was that we we introduced the dinosaurs into the water tray we introduced the dinosaurs into the sand tray we introduced dinosaurs into paint um we took the dinosaurs into the bricks and you know we introduced dinosaurs to cars although you know going back to the original dinosaurs don't play with cars that's not real um but we found ways to introduce cars uh, introduce dinosaurs into lots of other areas of the nursery so that he mm -hmm. would he still was holding on to what he was really interested in but he was playing with different media as well mm. and with the different mm. things. And, you know, we brought in stories that were about dinosaurs. And and ultimately, he did play with some of these other things without the dinosaurs. The dinosaurs was always his first love. He's probably a paleontologist or something now. But, um, <laughs> you know, that's that that he it was always going to be his first love. You know, it's like Ben with cars. Mm. And I think the books is a nice thing as well, because books can take you off into all sorts of places can't they you know you can paint what you see in the books or you can create different environments for a particular character in a book or um, you can write another story for a character in a book there's loads of different you can role play different characters mm. from books I remember again when I was in the nursery we used to have to plan um you know a whole like terms worth of work or half a terms worth of work and there was one term where we just focused on books so the, the whole thing and each week we would have a different book chosen by the children and we would set up, you know, things in the sand connected to the bears or whatever the book was about. And, you know, the, the painting, we'd plonk, um, you know, a bear or whatever in the painting area so that they could paint, not directly paint the bear, but paint pictures of the bear and, mm. and that kind of thing. So I don't think you need to be worried if your child seems particularly fixated on a particular object or toy or whatever it is but thinking of ways that you can introduce other things into that um, thing that they like you almost need to harness it don't you but yeah, I was just thinking you do need if if I hadn't been able to play with my dolls and have that play that would have been really hard because mm. actually it was such a strong I, I want, you know, and so I bathed my babies, my babies, you know, I cooked for my babies, all this. So ultimately, in a way, w without my parents, no way did my parents think like this. They just went with it. <laughs> um, and it was like, yeah, bath your babies, but you have to have this and you need to do this, you know. And 
we're going to cook for the babies, but the babies have their own bowl and you have to. And I remember like seeing my bowl and my baby's bowl in the window mm-hmm. cooling down. But I always knew that that was it. And I think actually just going with their lead, it yeah. was my passion. It was absolutely something that I had to had mm. to do. It was part of my play. It was such an, you know, a strong part of my play. And now look at the career I took. And so I think... Look at you now, Claire. I know. Still playing with dollies. Exactly. (laughs) It's still one over there that I can see. (laughs) But also I get to play with real life ones now. And I actually get to, you know, do what I always wanted to do. So I think I completely agree. It's Don't Mm. feel that it's just the... And I think it's then widening your ability, like Karen said, to move things around and see it in different places. Mm Um, I always found it interesting with um, with the twins that, you know, that whole I was just saying about it being narrow, but I wanted to make sure that they had like a whole kind of range of things that they could choose from. So they were given exactly the same opportunities. So we may have had cars and we had books and they both were given the same opportunities to play with them, but they naturally levitated to whichever one so there wasn't that and I, that I found really really interesting because Amy could have been as likely to go off and play with the cars as Ben was and equally Ben could have been drawn to the bookshelf as much as Amy was but they they weren't and that shows you doesn't it I suppose the mm. individuality and harnessing yes. that and allowing them to do what it is that they as personalities want to do yeah. and allow, yeah, develop from that. So I think, yeah, that's that for me, I think if I'd have had this talk, you know, 15 years ago or whatever, it would have been very helpful. <laughs> 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 so let's hope it helps somebody now when they're I just want other thing I would probably say it's just on a point that we talked about, you said about your playroom being really busy, Bex, like you had mm. loads of stuff to keep them entertained. Mm. It's being quite aware that that can be overwhelming as yeah. well. And actually rotating your toys and having yeah. a big box where some of them are, you know, up in the loft or in a cupboard. And actually it's not being overwhelmed by having just en masse things to play with. Because yeah. a lot of the time children stand in their playroom and go... I've got nothing to play with or, you know, in their play area, there's nothing to play with. And it's like, you've got a whole room. The amount of times I've heard parents, you've got a whole room. Look at it. It's like a a toy shop. And they're like, yeah, I don't. And what they're basically saying is, I don't know how to make a choice. I feel quite overwhelmed. But you see, I think that's the same for parents. Mm -hmm. You go in and have a look at the player and you're like, oh my goodness, what are we going to do today? Because I, I, you know, that's overwhelming for you. And I absolutely agree with that. As soon as we started to pare down those toys and really think about what we wanted to keep because we were kind of using the room for a different purpose and we needed to kind of start to do that, that was really helpful. Mm -hmm. And, you know, in fact, we did get rid of a lot of stuff that really just, like I said, and that's when we found rich's wallet in the box that we never <laughs> but you know it's yeah but you accumulate so much stuff yeah you do you definitely do i i put it to being like a things to do list if it's massive and there's yeah. just loads on it you just look at mm. it and don't do any of it because you're just like it's too much yeah mm. and she Speaking says from confidently she's there. in that position yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um but actually it's the same for them i i 
they must feel so yeah. overwhelmed because play is their work and if their work mm-hmm. feels too much I that's why you end up seeing them yeah. wandering and going I'm bored mm. what are you doing and mm. and then you're there going you've yeah. got all these toys go and play with them and they're like I can't yeah. don't know mm. what and I think yeah. that again causes that friction yeah I think it definitely. would be useful Karen if you wouldn't mind just summarizing for us um, the three main benefits of play. I mean, I know that there's loads of benefits of play, mm. but for you, what if you could give three benefits for parents, what would they be? I think, hmm. <laughs> interesting. I think the three main benefits, I think there's definitely one around socialisation and communication. Play is, if we can really tune into children, and understand them and understand their play we can really develop you know that communication between adults and children which i think is really important developing relationships and then children can take those skills to when you know, as they get older they take those skills to socialize with other children and those kind of things so i think play is really important for for communication and socialization i think play is so important for children making sense of the world you know, they mm-hmm. that that's how they really they understand how things work. They understand their place in the world. Um, they can really make sense of what's going on around them. And then the other big benefit, and I think it's probably something I've only thought about more recently because of you know recent events in recent years, but is the whole mental health side of play and the value play has for children's mental health, um, mm-hmm. and the fact that they can really become relaxed and um, you play out things that they don't necessarily understand in their play Um, I think that's really really important for them so I haven't gone down the learning route particularly (laughs) with your benefits of play because I think that's the thing that people always think is a big benefit of play and Mm -hmm. I play does but I think it's the more holistic things that are really important around play for their communication socialization making sense, connecting those kinds of things and, and then the knock-on with, with men, children's mental health because that's just such a big, big issue at the moment. So, mm-hmm. yeah. That's so interesting that you didn't talk about the learning things because like you say, that's the go-to, isn't it? That's yeah. the thing. That's the reason that children play. But actually, there are so many other benefits to play that don't necessarily mm. come with knowing the colour or the... Yeah. the size of the or whatever and I, <laughs> the thing that you're playing yeah. with I think one of the things is, as well is that we haven't talked about children who are neurodiverse and mm. actually play doesn't it doesn't matter in this yeah. play across children whether they you yeah. know have special educational needs whether you know anything like that ultimately play brings children together across yes. anything and and so there's actually no need for us to talk about children with additional needs or special needs being any, you know, it needing to be any different because ultimately their play mm. is their play and you just maybe, it you know, is. it's their interest and in how they want to do it. So I think everything mm. we've talked about in this podcast is across the board. It's not, you know, yeah. you don't have to pocket children into different kind of um, headings because play is for all children yeah actually for all of it us is. yeah I think it comes back to really noticing children and understanding them that 
you can even if children play I mean all children play differently to some extent but as long mm. as you go with the child and pick up their interests and the way this they want to play then as you say it's all children play and all children we can all join in with their play it's, mm-hmm. it's not different it is for every child oh thanks Karen it's been amazing so interesting yeah to yeah. just listen to all of the different elements and actually I think the most important thing for me on you know on that talk was that the benefits don't have to just be all about learning you know there's a lot more to it so I think Mm. hopefully if people don't take anything away from the podcast apart from that then you know job done kind of thing so Mm -hmm. yeah 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 no it's been play is such a huge subject and it's such a fascinating subject but it really takes you to the heart of children You know, once you did it for your career, it sounds, yeah, exactly. Not sure I'd have been very good at it, but hey, the world's a safer place without me there. (laughs) That's everything for today. Thanks for listening. If there's something you'd like us to talk about, we'd love you to get in touch and let us know. Find us on Facebook and Instagram at Bespoke Family or head to our website. The links are in our show notes. Make sure you're subscribed so you don't miss the next episode and please give us a rating or review if you like what you hear. We're Bex and Claire and we'll be back soon with another episode of Newborn to Team and everything in between. See you then.